Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. We've had a good month um, in terms of relationships, and uh, hopefully it's been a blessing. And uh, yeah, it's uh, always such a pl- privilege to sh- to sow into that area of life as well, and uh, see what God does. Okay, just have just put this to one side. You guys well? Um, see earlier this, the wind was pumping outside, and there was a bit of a storm, it seems like it's quietened down a little bit. We had an interesting weekend, a great weekend with friends, and we were at a 40th, and we were out at my mom's plot, and um, we asked um, the kids afterwards, we asked them what was the best part of the weekend, you know, lots of friends coming over, and you know, kids were playing all over the place. And Emily says, or was it David? Which one? Anyway, they said, the pudding. The pudding was definitely <laughs> the best part. I thought they were going to say, no, it was great to have the, you know, Mikey's over and friends to play. But apparently the pudding was definitely the highlight. So hallelujah for that. Before I forget, um, there's one announcement that I forgot to put on there. And uh, we want to send teams um, to the Tabang Children's home again this year so most years the last couple of years we've sent teams around end of november i think and uh, the idea is to go and just bless the children there um it's near tabazimbi and to minister to them around the whole idea of christmas and uh, so this year we want to send two to november it's actually it's just for the weekend so it's not a long thing it's a friday to the sunday and the idea is to just go and serve the children, to have a bit of a um, celebration, um, to minister to them. And also, they would normally uh, take a bunch of gifts along to bless them with. So the first one will be the 27th of this month, November. And then on the 11th, um, Pretoria, um, Admire and the guys are going to take a team as well. So if you're keen, please talk to me or email the office or send us a WhatsApp that we can make sure we keep you updated all those details. Okay. Great stuff. We also still, we are hoping to send a couple of guys down to Live Village. Um, some of you may have heard Live Village. They are doing great work down at the coast near Durban. There's a, a whole village for foster, uh, foster kids and orphans. And it's really incredible to see what God does there. They've got a school, they've got like training center, they've got a little congregation there, a whole village full of amazing homes that they've created, families that they've put together for these children. And it's really amazing what God is doing there. So we've, we took a team last year. It was really awesome to be able to go. And uh, they've had a really rough year with COVID and they've haven't had any breaks, and it's been quite hectic, obviously, on all of us, but they've um, been going around the clock, 
so we really wanted to go and want to go and just give the volunteers and the guys that work there a break. So if that's on your heart, that's not going to be a weekend. That's probably going to be at least a week or a week and a half. We haven't got final dates yet, so that's why I'm, I haven't announced it. But if you're keen, just let me know as well, and I can keep you abreast of what's happening there. Okay. Probably December, but they said any time December or January. So maybe December and January, maybe a team in December and a team in January. So we want to work together with some of the other shofar congregations that are also keen. So that's why it's taking a bit of time to put it all together. But uh, let me know if you're keen, then I'll let you know what's happening. I'll just switch this off for now. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to... Um, maybe it'll go a bit bigger. Oh, no, no, left. Other left. Oh, okay, great. That's fine then. Okay, 100%. Let's pray <laughs> as we get into the Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your Word this evening. We just want to commit this time to your God, to your hands. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have such an amazing design for relationships. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that's designed marriage. It's your idea, and it's your purpose and your plan for us to flourish in it, Lord, and for us to give, to bring you glory through our relationships and our marriages, Lord. And we, we ask that tonight that you'd breathe life into us, that you speak your word over us, Holy Spirit, that you'd lead us into your truth. And Lord, that when we leave this place, that we would be more like you, and that we'd be have grown in our revelation, Lord, of your heart specifically around relationships and marriage, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, amen. As Rico said, if you've missed out on anything, check out the recordings and the videos. A lot of good stuff there. Um, so, we're going to talk about a match made in heaven. Have you heard that phrase? Do you think it, it, it can happen? Do you think that happens? What does it mean? <laughs> Um, a couple or two things that go together really well. It doesn't have to be people. It can be food as well. <laughs> anyway, I've heard in a bunch of contexts, but if you look around, if you look at, think about it in terms of people, in terms of a couple, um, uh, I, I can't help but remind it of the song. I don't even know what the song is. I just remember this phrase. It's, it says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. You heard that? Huh? It's like really old. Anyway, anybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Um, and obviously, he doesn't mean it like this. But I thought it's actually quite biblical, because everybody wants, a, wants to have eternal life, but nobody wants to, to you know, realize what it, what it, that there's dying involved to have eternal life. And especially in, in terms of relationships, if you want a heavenly relationship, you're going to have to die to yourself. Okay? Everybody wants that, but nobody wants to die to self. In a match made in heaven, then it's God that put it. Perspective, you can see it from a perspective that if it's a, if a match made in heaven, then it's God that put it together. Okay? Could mean that. Can that, is that. can that happen? No, I hope so. Right, so let's read Matthew 19. Uh, verse, from verse 5, and, and he said, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother, so he's quoting Genesis, Genesis, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore, has, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So it looks like, in fact, God can join together. Isn't that cool? And I believe that's also what happens when we come together in a covenant of marriage. God joins us together. Now, on Friday evening, we had a great time doing a Q&A uh, yeah, at, uh, around the relationship stuff. And we had a really great panel. I was really relieved because uh, a lot of the difficult questions, there were some really helpful, you know, very informed couples that could help us out with those. And, uh, and so there's some really great questions that came out. There's some that we didn't get around to. So there's uh, one or two that came. One of them was, um, uh, before I get to that, actually what was really cool for me is that when we looked at a bunch, you know, a lot of the answers kind of, when you get to the gist of it, obviously I'm, generalizing a little bit, but it seemed to me like the most of the answers and the gist of the answers could almost be brought back to two key things. And one of those was having a biblical understanding of the purpose of marriage and the God's design for relationships. So if you're wrestling through something, some question about relationships, often that question can be answered by having, well, understanding what God has designed relationships for. Isn't that cool? And the other one that we found is that often the stuff that we wrestle with and struggle with in relationships can, you know, not only be answered, but the answer to that struggle is to be in a healthy faith community, to be in a family of believers that uh, surround us, that give us good advice, that pray with us, that help us in that season where your brain falls out have you, have you noticed that? When you fall in love, your brain falls out and you leave it behind. I'll talk about that in a moment. But anyway, we came down to those two keys. That, was, that came up a lot, so that was really encouraging. Then one or two of the questions were, how do you keep the spark in marriage? How do you keep from drifting apart? Some of the, some of the questions said, it seems like the longer people stay together, the more they drift apart. And uh, uh, the reality that we have Many of us will know people that, or I suppose all of us will know people that have been divorced, that stuff didn't work out, people have drifted apart, stuff happened, people got really hurt, um, and, and I, I just want us to, right at the start of this evening, just to keep our eyes on the fact that in the face of all that hectic stuff happening out there, God is for marriage, and He's got a beautiful design for people to be together in His purpose and in His, in a glorious place of glorious covenant that He calls marriage, and uh, it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's godly, and it's not easy, it's not comfortable, but it's just beautiful. Okay, so let's just remember that, um, and I trust that some of that will come across this evening. And another thing that we, we, we uh, oh, yeah, one of the things that we um, mentioned is that one of the keys in terms of keeping the spark alive and stuff like that is uh, having a, a create or let me get the right word to to have healthy habits right from the start to to put yourself as a couple and to grow in some healthy habits and I want to talk one about one specific one um, in a moment. But before I do that, a large part of when people talk about the spark, 
care. Now, if we ask people here, we'll talk about different things. But one of the things that people talk about when they talk about the spark in a relationship is what we call infatuation. Okay? You heard that word? Big word. <laughs> infatuation. In other words, when I was infatuated with Erna, you know, I was so in love. I told the guys on Friday, I never used to study in the, in the library at the varsity. But when I realized that Erna studies in the library, suddenly my study patterns just ramped up. I became a very diligent student in the library. And I, re I figured out what her favorite spot was, and I just happened to run into her there a lot. You know, and I, I studied a lot in the, in the library. <laughs> I don't know how focused the studying was, to be honest. But uh, what, also what happened is, you know, if, if campus was here, if campus was here, <laughs> and Anna's residence was here, my flat was there. So I used to cycle this opposite direction of my flat. Just, just maybe, you know, I'd run into it. So I'd cycle around. <laughs> anyway, so it's amazing. It's a great season. You know, you, you're, what happens, the problem is what happens when your brain falls out is your, um, your discernment also is not so great. You know, so or your heart is obviously involved. Lots of emotions. And what happens is we, we do something which we call the idealization. So you, you ascribe strength to this person that they don't really have. And you ignore any sign of weakness. You just don't see it. You know, and they, you're just amazed that it's, is it true that God has created such a wonderful person like this, you know? And if somebody said to you, but, but, but don't you see that the, this, he's, he's, this guy's got some weaknesses? I was like, nah, man, and talking nonsense. Anyway, the point is, it's, it's beautiful and it's great. It's part of that season. And, um, and we, but we ascribe a lot of amazing things to this person that maybe exist in a small measure, but we just make it huge. You know, this person is amazing. And we ignore any sign of weakness or any blind spots. And we fall in love with a person that doesn't really exist. Okay? And which, which is great. It's, again, it's part of the process. It's not, a, it's not a crisis. But what we have to realize is that that doesn't last. Okay? And although it's amazing and it's beautiful, one of the biggest lies around marriage is that infatuation is the pinnacle of marriage. But that can't be, can't last. Even they said, the guys that have studied these things, that even neurologically, this, the, they've studied this thing that happens when your brain, uh, they studied, I don't know, I came upon that phrase now, but anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, they study this thing, and they reckon neurologically it can only last for 18 months, a year, 18 months, maybe max two years. It can't last longer than that, unless your brain is damaged in some way, apparently. But uh, um, so because what happens here is uh, if you want to achieve real intimacy, intimacy, uh, one of the definitions we can give to intimacy is when it's to be fully known and fully accepted cannot fully know somebody. Uh, you cannot fully accept somebody unless you fully know them. And in that season of crazy, amazing stuff going on, um, we don't yet fully know one another. Can you see what I mean? So, um, so there's really, 
there's a soberness that has to come in that we we realize that we are actually we have created this mirage, this kind of image of somebody that isn't really accurate, um, and that we for us to really mature and grow in our relationship to a point where we're going to flourish for a long time, we're going to have to grow beyond that place of infatuation and realize there's something amazing, much greater, much more beautiful. That is that intimacy of fully knowing that person, knowing their shortcomings, knowing their blind spots, knowing that they are indeed not perfect, but still accepting them fully and still choosing them. Isn't that cool? That's better than infatuation, don't you think? Anyway, so part of that, um, so my question is this, what happens? How, how do we get to that point? What happens after that infatuation has faded away? How do we keep that? How can we keep a spark there? And I just want to mention. I just want to talk about one key thing um, and mention a couple of dynamics around it. Um, so one of those keys is to create healthy habits early on, and one of them is not just a habit. It's actually a bit of a mind shift, and I want to talk about that this evening. It's not a new thing. It's not random new theory. It's actually in the wedding vows that most people use. You might have heard it before. Um, so in the wedding vows, I'm not going to read all of them, but um, uh, my, many people use these vows, and one of the phrases that we use is, I promise to love, and to cher- I promise to love you and to cherish you and to honor you in the Lord. Love, cherish, and honor in the Lord. Huh? Have you heard that? Yes. Some people have to learn have to learn this. You have to, don't have to get, don't have to know it off by heart. Don't stress. But um, love, cherish, and honor in the Lord. Okay. So, have you heard many sermons on love? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm very happy to hear that. Have you heard some about honor? Yes. But cherish, not that many, eh? I mean, let's speak about that this evening. So I reckon this is a key. And I recently um, heard a talk by Gary Thomas talking about his new book. His recent, not that new, but maybe from last year. And it's exactly about this. And he says that the title of the book is Cherish the One Word that Changes Everything for Your Marriage. And uh, his tagline there is, Most marriages survive by gritting teeth and holding on, but marriages can and will not only survive, but thrive when husbands and wives learn to cherish one another. So I was really encouraged by the talk, and I took a lot out of it. And I thought, let me just share some of the stuff that I was encouraged by, and I'll just add a couple of things as well. And, it, and, it, and, and his question is, instead of just loving and honoring and supporting my spouse, how can I truly cherish them, and what does it really mean? So in terms of... Um, yeah, so when we look at this infatuation thing, and that fades away, we have to be ready to actually grow into this, this next level, this better place, and this even more fulfilling. Cherishing and coming into the place of cherishing one another is way more fulfilling. That place of intimacy is, is way more lasting. And it's something one can build, something that you can invest in, you can grow in, and you can build, in your, can build into it. Okay. All right, so yeah, um, so let's quickly look at this Oxford 
dictionary, online dictionary definition is a good place to start. So a verb, uh, cherish, the verb cherish means to protect and care for someone lovingly. And then a bunch of words that go with that, to adore, to hold dear, it's not on there, sorry, got that, thank you. Uh, to adore, to hold dear, to love, to care very much for, to feel great affection for, to dote on, to be devoted to, to revere, to esteem, to admire, to appreciate, think the world of, uh, said, um, hold in high esteem, care for, look after, you know, it's amazing, it just goes on and on. This is not a biblical definition, this is the Oxford Dictionary, isn't that encouraging? Uh, tend, protect, preserve, shelter, keep safe, support, nurture, indulge, put on a pedestal. It's just, it's a, it just goes on. And, um, and uh, another way of saying is to hold something there, something, not someone, to treasure, to prize, to value highly, to hold the end. The opposite is to neglect. Okay. And just, I just want to help the guys out here because I think I've lost some of the guys now. So just I want to help you out because I'm also a guy. Just think for a moment of that car, that most amazing, your most, it might not, may not be a car, but your most prized possession. So for some it might be a, a motorbike, some it might be like a hunting rifle, or at one stage in my life it was a bicycle, not just any bicycle, let me just say. For some, it might be that car that you've dreamt of, you've worked really hard, you've earned enough cash, and you've bought it. The thing about that prized possession is only the best is, is good enough for this thing. Okay? So if it's a car, you can't take this car to any car wash. Ladies, just you need to realize that. Because all, all car washes are not equal. So you find that valet place that knows how to treat a car well. You guys get what I'm talking about? Or whether it's, whether whatever that thing is, only the best care is, is good for this thing. So you've spent extra money. Some people will think, well, why, why would you spend that kind of money on this thing? That's, that's what I'm talking about. So that what it's, that's what cherish means, is when you give, give a lot, you give only the best, this thing that you prize so much it's worth so much that's what cherishing means okay you with me okay guys same blood same page now okay um and he uses such a great example um, about the mindset that we have to have um and you know my my daughter I emily she's four she's turning five on tuesday isn't that amazing it's i must admit it's a little bit scary for me she was a baby just the other day Literally, and then suddenly she was a little girl, and now she's five, and she's going really too quickly. I often ask her, Emily, what am I going to do if I don't have a, a little girl anymore? Where can I find? And she said, she says random things like pick and pay and stuff like that. In any case, she doesn't understand, and I don't want her to grow up. But in any case, um, she's turning five. She loves ballet. You know, you get a dancer guy. I went to check. He's called the ballerino. Huh? Learn something new in church. Okay. Any case, so often what happens is this lead ballerina, she is the lead part. And this guy, although he's, 
They are ex- exceptionally good. You must watch these guys. They're as fit as anybody you can imagine. They're very strong. And um, they just, they, what they, their job is, is to make this ballerina, although she's so good already, they have to make her look better. So they help her to go higher. So they lift, they help them turn and twirl and do everything even more spectacularly than they can do on their own. You get the picture. So their job is to make them amazing. And then when the applause comes at the end, often you'll see the prima ballerina in the front and the guy will just disappear into the shadows. His job is done. He gets all the applause. And that's the mindset. How can I make my spouse shine? How can I do everything I can to make them to make the world see how beautiful they are, how amazing they are. How can I lift them up? How can I encourage them? How can I strengthen them? I don't want the limelight for myself, but I want to see this person flourish in what God has called them to do. Amen. And he says, this is the kind of mindset that we need to get in terms of cherishing one another. I want to do whatever I can to see you flourish and see you bloom like the Afrikaans people say, you know, um, to see you really thrive in what's, what God is calling you to do. Okay. So that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, and he says that what he found is a key, and I can really see this in terms of when he, when he started, when you know, when you as a, as a guy, for instance, now, because he's talking about the perspective, and I can also talk from that perspective, which when you start to take pleasure Excuse me, when you start to take pleasure in your wife's pleasures, when you start to think, well, that I actually, I'm really taking pleasure in this because it's, it means something to her. Amen? Now, just, have you, when it, okay, I wanted to ask, when last were you at a wedding? But let's not ask that, because I think it's been a dry year for weddings, but, uh, <laughs> but just to try and remember the last time you had a wedding, often people look at the bride, right? When, the, when she comes down the aisle. That's kind of the thing people do. And then the pastor and the bridegroom, the guys at the front, they just feel a little bit left out because everybody's just like... But I've noticed these days what they do is that a lot of the photographers, and they, they want to check out what's, the, what's going on in the bridegroom space. They want to check these responses as well. And uh, it's actually amazing to see. Having, having stood on that side quite a lot, uh, not as the bridegroom, but as the, the pastor. Um, you know, you can't help but check this guy's face. And I tell you what, it's amazing to see. Firstly, even the most calm guys are not calm in that moment. Even the most together guys, they seem like, eh, no problem, I'm cool and calm. You know, they, in that moment, it's just chaos. You know, there's, a lot of the guys cry. A lot of them, like, you know, trying to hold it in. <laughs> But they are absolutely focused on one person. There's a bunch of people. And there's a bunch of ladies in the room. But they have only eyes for one. They are fixated and are focused on only one person. And that's their bride. It's beautiful. Nothing can take their attention away. They are just like they and learning to cherish someone is making this a daily thing, not just a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That is what cherishing means. It's when 
you're absolutely amazed and your focus is only there and there's nothing there's no other person in the world for you there's nobody on the planet i mean they don't have a, they don't even have a clue that there's somebody standing next to them they're just there's just that person that is what cherishing means and if you think back to the garden of eden that's why it's what's called paradise don't you think because adam and eve were in that space and you know what i believe one of the biggest reasons why they were in that space is because there was nobody else to compare anybody to huh? have you thought about that when eve arrived on the scene um, god made eve and brought her to adam and adam was like whoa <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> he'd never seen a woman in his life before she was the first one and everything a woman is she embodied to him there was no other jane or this one or that one that he could compare it to he was in awe and the same for her everything a man can be she he embodied to her because they were the only ones there was no other person on the planet but that's such a powerful concept can you see that that if that is your focus and if there's nobody else in the universe for you but this person there's such a beautiful thing that happens because in that thing continues you cherish that person in a beautiful way amen and and um and what he says in his talk he says that marriage can really take off when a woman hears that thing from a man and, and it's taken it's it's actually said so well in song of solomon 6 verse 9 he says there um my dove my perfect one is the only one my perfect one is the only one if a, if a, if a wife can hear that from her husband she's being cherished Amen. my perfect one in other words you are beautiful and perfect to me i need nobody else you are the only one another translation says i still choose you every time you're the only one and that is what somebody needs to hear if, if they're going to be really experienced being cherished. Okay. You are the perfect one for me. There's no other in the universe that can come close to you. Everything that I need in a person, in a husband or in a wife is in you. I don't need anything else. Okay. I'm not saying all that stuff about finding stuff in a person that you need to find in God. I'm not saying that. Okay. But communicating to that person that you are that one for me nobody else okay now you know just to come back to the kind of other side of the coin um often and this is what we actually wrestled through a bit this this month um we spoke about that whole thing of when we approach the whole relationship thing from a from the wrong angle and from the wrong motive and from an unbiblical perspective and an ungodly perspective, then, then often we come from a place of lust instead of love. Okay? And, uh, and he says a really powerful thing. I'm just going to read that quote to you guys. So we, that, that whole selfish thing, self-gratifying, selfish motive is, is lust. Okay? Let's go to the next one. I want to read that quote to you guys. Um, the lust to be appreciated, to be noticed, to be served, to be pleasured, is like any other lust. It can't be satisfied. It must be crucified. It's, it 
can't be satisfied. In other words, if you go into a relationship or into a marriage with that kind of lust, there's nothing that that person can do to satisfy that. There's no that, that amount of attention that they can give you that's going to satisfy that. Because it's, it's never going to be enough. It's always going to be the thing of you're not appreciating me enough. You're not, um, you know, it's, it's just never, you, know, you, ne- you will never feel appreciated enough, never feel loved enough, never feel cared for enough because it's from a place of lust, because of it's, it's not godly. And that kind of lust, um, that is not love, that is, not, that is, a, that is a, I want to take place of coming from, I want to take, I, want, I need, I need something to make me whole, something to make me feel better. Um, that is something we need to bring to Christ and allow Him to deliver us from that. Amen? He's able and He's willing to take that and to deliver us from that place of coming from a place of lust to a place of really um, the godly perspective is what can I give? How can I give? How can I serve? How can I honor? How can I revere? How can I serve you? Okay, so just make the distinction that that is something that cannot be satisfied and uh, something that we have to crucify. We have to die to that thing, bring it to Christ and allow Him to deliver us. Amen. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Good. Okay, so just just in terms of uh, one of the things, one of the keys in terms of, uh, this can go both ways, but for the ladies, he mentioned it for the ladies, but I think it goes both ways. He says from the start, maybe this is a healthy habit from the start, is to make a commitment towards contentment. Okay, because now the reality is we are not in the garden. There's other people around. Okay? And that poor husband or that wife cannot be all of that amazing stuff. No single person can be amazing in everything. Okay? And to, to right from the start have a commitment to be content with your person. And to be amazed by what they find. To be content with who they are and not to f- only focus on who they are not. Does that make sense? And that is a commitment that we make in our hearts that I'm going to um, really do myself a dis, uh, disservice and much, so much more to my spouse if I'm going to continually fo- be focusing on the things that they are not. Amen? So we make a commitment to contentment and we, 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 we really focus on those amazing things that God has blessed and has brought and has graced us with. Amen. And the question, I suppose, um, is this whole idea of dying to self, esteeming the other person, who's more important? Okay. Who's going to get the limelight? Who's the, um, who's the one that that needs to be first. And uh, another good analogy is um, is the whole picture of, you know, have you seen in the orchestras? I, I used to play in a sort of an orchestra. Amazing. Many, many, many years ago in the previous millennium. And um, interesting thing is you get this thing called the first violin, right? And that is the 
for the person that gets the limelight in the violin section. Okay? Then you get something that's called the second violin. And apparently the, the, the guys that know say it's, it's not so difficult to find a first violin violinist. It's difficult to find a second violinist. Because you need somebody that's just as good, that's just as dedicated, or even more dedicated, that's able to carry that performance and not be in the limelight. Because without the second violinist, it's rubbish. Honestly, it's no good. You can't have an orchestra with only one, with only the one. So he says, it's the, again, it's a similar thing. It's to have somebody that's a winner and to give that same dedication, same effort, same skill, same or more hours of practice um, to make the whole sound amazing. So that's the, that's the kind of picture we're looking at. And it comes down to this. Do we really believe Jesus when he says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? I, I, I don't think we often believe him when he says that. But I want to encourage you, in the context of marriage, in the context of relationships, if we test him on this, you will find those words to be true. It's more blessed to give. It's more blessed to want your spouse to be in front. In other words, to approach situations like this, that I want you to shine. I want you to flourish. I want you to, um, to be the best. I want you to flourish. I want you to um, really um, bear good fruit in what God has called you to do. Okay. I'm going to share a testimony that I heard that really encouraged me. Uh, it's of a guy that I was married for 17 years, and he lost his wife to cancer. And they had a great, really, you know, um, was, it, wasn't, it was a good marriage. They were blessed that she got cancer about, far, about 12 years in, and it got more and more difficult. And the last couple of months, obviously the last five years, but then the last, last months, he cared for her. 24 hours of the day. Everything she needed, he did. And he nurtured her, he cared for her, he did what he could, um, and then she passed away. And uh, he went into a season of, of singleness, and then he married again. And he, his testimony is this. He says that his second marriage was so much more fulfilling. It was nothing to do with his second wife being more excellent or anything like that. He says the big shift came because his attitude had changed completely. He says regardless of his first wife or his second wife, his attitude changed completely. And he experienced an absolute powerful change in his second marriage. And he says what happened is after those years of serving and those intense months of doing absolutely everything. He went into season of being single. We had to do everything. And then he married again and he continued to do similarly. And he continued to serve and he continued to put himself second. And he continued to, to do everything he could possibly do. And he said it absolutely changed himself, him, and his attitude towards this relationship. And in the end, he was more fulfilled, and he was amazed by how beautiful and how different it was. 
Isn't that amazing? And he actually he confirms this thing. He says, regardless, it sounds, may sound hard, but he, regardless of what your spouse does, if your attitude is to cherish them, your marriages will thrive. And there will be good fruit. There will be, there will, there will, it will have a massive impact on the relationship. Okay. So in terms of, of men, you know, from, um, not, again, it can go both ways, both ways, but it, in terms of men to help us to cherish, um, it could even be your girlfriend. This is also good for a dating relationship. This is good dating advice as well, not only for marriage. Treat God as your father-in-law, your prospective father-in-law. Make sense? So, you know that time when you go visit the parents the first time? Okay? You are at your best behavior. And you think, you want to you display, you want to, you know, make sure they see you're going to care for this lady. Right? You just, you, you just, I remember I, I studied, I read up, because my father-in-law is a chemical engineer. He's extremely clever and very intelligent guy, you know. So I was reading about how does these nuclear power plants work, you know, and I was just so I can have some kind of a conversation with this guy. And then I realized Formula One is the thing. So I was I was kind of sort of interested but didn't follow it. So I just caught up a bit, you know. But you know what I'm talking about. You want to make sure this this father in law or this the 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 father of your girlfriend, he, he needs to get a good impression. But how more much more powerful is it than when we treat our girlfriend or spouse in a way that honors God as her father. And even, you know, I mean, I mean talk about physical boundaries. I want to throw this one in often. <laughs> I want to say, just, just treat her in a way that will, that will please her dad, who is God. Who is the one that can zap you with a lightning bolt, that one. <laughs> that will put the fear of God in anybody, Amen. I mean? In terms of physical boundaries. But um, that's what I'm going to talk. In, I'm going to tell any little boy that wants to come visit my daughter. Except also for the, for the shotgun behind the door. No, anyways, we'll, we'll have a good talk. But uh, isn't that powerful? When we start to uh, treat, when we relate to God as our father-in-law in terms of being the, the dad of my spouse. And how can I honor and cherish and treat my wife? In a way that honors God, in a way that brings glory to Him. Okay, just a tip, tip there. Okay, and uh, what what it comes down to is to have this focus, and this, again, it's, it's for both parties. To, this is the, it's it's, it's um, it comes through in Romans 12 verse 10. I want to read this for us. Romans 12. Love each other with genuine affection. Excuse me. And take delight in honoring each other. So love each other with genuine affection. Another translation says, outdo one another in showing honor. So I'm, I'm going to try my best to outdo my wife. I want to just be one step ahead. Wasn't that an amazing dynamic? So if she's having a bad day and she's not on her, on her game, I'm going to have a bit of an easier day. But she, she's stepping it up and she's really blessing me and honoring. I'm just going to have to 
put up my game a bit and think of something creative and just bless it a bit more. And, and, and if we come from that perspective of, I'm, just, I'm not just going to hang in there and grit my teeth, but I want to outdo the other one in showing honor, in blessing, in, in, in encouraging, in supporting. I'm going to outdo them. And that's what Scripture says. Loving each other with genuine affection and trying to outdo one another. That's a good space to be in. That's a place. Um, and you know what? There's such a, a joy, there's such a fulfillment and a joy that comes when we align our hearts with the heart of God, because this is the heart of God. Because this scripture is not only for marriage, but it's good for the context of marriage as well. There's a, there's a fulfillment that comes that is out of this world, because it's not like the world. The world doesn't say, outdo each other in, in blessing one another. I mean, it, the, the world says the, the, the opposite. All right, um, so there's such a joy and a fulfillment when our hearts align with God in terms of how we treat each other. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, uh, he mentioned this great example that I want to mention as well. There's, uh, he said he saw this couple in an elevator. He also got in, and they were already in there, and the man was standing in front of the, the buttons, and no buttons had been pressed yet. And they were going to number nine. I think his wife said number nine. And then he said, yes, yes, okay, cool. And then he couldn't find number nine. You know, and he was like, just, and he just rattled and he was, couldn't find it. And then she came to stand next to him and put her arm around him. And, and she said, sure, you've, that, this business meeting has really got your mind busy at the moment. It's going to be okay. You're going to do great. And such a beautiful picture of a of a moment where she could have, you know, ridiculed him saying it's just there between eight and ten, or you know, she could have had a jab at him, or she could have made a joke, or you know, belittled him a little bit there to encourage. He chose to have understanding for where he's at and show compassion and to actually encourage. But powerful picture of, of going be beyond a little bit of the moment and actually seeing where the person is at. Amen. Um, okay, I'm going to start closing. But I want to mention just something briefly um, that I believe is important. When we when we look at when we think of that season of infatuation, it's it's like having rose-tinted glasses on. Like everything looks rosy and amazing. And you have these glasses on, and everything you look at, the, when you look at that person, that's, you just see Monskane and Rosa, and everything is beautiful. Uh, but if we, if, we, if we not, especially in Mary specifically, if we are unable to make the proper adjustments when the, that fades away, and we are unable, specifically in, in major life phase changes, I suppose like... Um, when, ch when children start a family, children come, that's a major change. And it's really dangerous when we are unable to make proper adjustments um, around how we handle these things. And again, the community around us is so important to help us navigate that. But if we fail to make those adjustments, those rose-tinted glasses, because of disappointment, because of hurt, because of difficult things we work through, 
in life, which is life. Because of all those things, you know, if we, if we don't make adjustments and don't handle those well, it's, it's, and I've dealt with couples like this, it's really sad to see, but there's so much hurt and there's disappointment and there's discouragement. Then these road-tinted, lowest-tinted glasses turn into contempt-tinted glasses. It's hectic to see. And those people that were so in love with each other that they were willing to stand in front of a bunch of people and make promises to go on to each other or can, are so struggling to see anything good in the other person because they've allowed this root of contempt to creep in because of that, those hurts, those sometimes little hurts over a long period not dealt with, lot, you know, disappointments not dealt with, not processed. Um, the other day I was ministering to a couple, not in, not in church, and I could see this. So hectic, guys. Wrestling through a lot of stuff, not dealt with stuff, you know, just letting it just build up, build up, build up. And now they're really struggling to see anything good in each other. And they now have to wrestle through taking off those glasses and being able to see the person and recognize the blessing and recognize why they love them in the first place. Um, it's absolutely useless. It's really, there's no good thing that come out of, can come out of that. So if you've experienced that, in, in not just only in your romantic relationship, in your marriage, in any relationship, if you see that creeping in, bring it to God and repent and allow the, the Lord to deliver you from that and allow Him to show you that person. The way, you, the way he sees them, okay? But one of the key things, um, and maybe, maybe if somebody is in a, in a rut where they have wrestled through a lot of things and they, they love each other but they don't necessarily like each other always, um, that, that happens. How do you turn it around? And I just want to briefly mention something that, that's really powerful and before we close, and that is um, a place of being thankful for for something about that person every day. And uh, I heard this story about this lady that, uh, I think, I don't know if it was her husband's birthday or Christmas or something or some event, and she wanted to give him a great, a nice gift. So she thought, this is going to be cool. So she, for about a month or two beforehand, she wrote down something every day that she wanted to thank, thank him for. Thanks for that thing that you did with the children or taking time out that, to give me a break or thank you for all your hard work on fixing that thing in the house. Every day she wrote stuff down. Thanks for the way that you that you that you invest into our children's lives. Thanks for when you did this and this. She's being very specific every day. And she gave it to him. And apparently he was so blessed because he just sat down and he read the whole thing in one go and and, and it was such a beautiful gift. But the, the amazing principle around this is if we, if we say now commit to write something down every day, and you have to find something every day to write down, then suddenly, and this is specifically good for those people that maybe are in a bit of a rut or that are struggling in terms of what they see and what they focus on, is when you continue, when you're looking for that thing that you're going to thank them for, you almost pay, start paying less attention to the things that are difficult and the things that maybe not so great or the things that you maybe don't appreciate 
because you, you have to find that thing that you're going to write down. So immediately you start focusing on those things that you really appreciate. And you start looking for those things that you're really thankful for. And you, can you see how that is going to shift the way that you look at that person? Because suddenly you like, I don't care about the other stuff now. I'm looking for that thing because I know it's there. And every day I'm so thankful that God has put you in my life. And then, um, so that even having that shift in our focus has a powerful, a powerful effect. Okay, and then to do it verbally is even better. To be able to express that verbally is such a blessing. Okay. All right. Another way we can cherish. Oh, I'm almost at the end. Is uh, is just very long. So you're welcome to go and look at that. Um, but a, a great example that he mentioned is. Um, you know, you mentioned the young couple. He was no, he was watching this couple. They were they were came in with a couple, young young married couple, with a friend of the husband, and they came into this meeting and they were, they were listening to this preacher or this message, and they were sitting together. And every time there was something funny, and the people laughed, uh, the the wife, the young wife, would look to her husband, kind of to share that laugh, and but he would be looking to the buddy. And they were like, yeah, oh, that's funny, you know. And then every time he made a cool point, um, it was like, yo, that's hectic or something. Did you get that? She would look to him and he would be looking to his buddy. And he said it was quite crazy to see, quite hectic. So he says, within a couple of minutes, her face went from, wow, this is cool, this is such encouraging, this is amazing, to just blank, really just hanging in there, making it through this. Um, and he said he could just imagine on the way home she would be upset and he would be confused. Why is she upset? And, um, and he said something really powerful that if if you're married um, and your first call when things go right or when things go wrong or when there's good news or when there's bad news, your first call is not to your spouse, then you're not properly married yet because you're not leaving properly. That first thing, when you, when you have great news or something difficult has happened, that, that I want to share that with somebody. If that's not with your spouse, and I'm not saying you're a bad person, or, <laughs> but that's, that's just a, a little flag to realize, I need to trust God to shift this, because it has to be that person. I want to share that with you. And you know what that does? It communicates something to them. You are my one person. You are the only one. Like the Song of Solomon says, you are the perfect one and you are my only one. And I want to share this thing with you first. Can you see that? It's really powerful and it really communicates something powerful to them. It's a simple thing that it, it has to be that way for that person to really feel cherished. Okay. Okay, cool. Maybe just a, t- a practical tip if you are married uh, or if you're soon to be married and you want to grow in this area, one of the things you can ask is uh, to, <laughs> from your side is you can think about this. You can ask, what could make it really difficult to be married to me? Okay, now this is an awkward question to ask, but have a thing. Go find a quiet space when you're really soberly minded and you're uh, willing to hear from the Holy Spirit, and you say, you pray, you ask, Lord, what, what, what makes it difficult to be married to me, and what would, what would make it 
most difficult? What is the thing in me that would make it difficult to be cherish me? Okay? And then try and make it easier for your spouse to cherish you because there are always we can make that easier. Okay? Yes, the theoretically they should be accept us just as we are, regardless. But in reality, there is a lot we can do, amen, to make ourselves more easily cherished. Okay, and then the other thing you can, I mean, you're speaking to the, your other person, your spouse, you can ask them, when did you feel most cherished by me? In other words, that's on the positive side. In other words, how do you experience being cherished? What does it mean to you? Because this is one of the things about this concept, is it's not a cut and paste. I can't tell my buddy, Yoka, when I did this, and I just, she felt, she felt it. Because what could really work amazing and what could really bless Erna a lot might be the exact thing that would not bless his wife. Okay? The principle is there <laughs> to look out for what's going to bless them. But you, you can't cut and paste. You can't just assume this is going to bless somebody. You're going to have to put in the hard yards to, to get to know this person to a point where you know what is going to make them feel cherished. Okay? The love languages play a big role there. I'm not going to go into all of that. But you're going to have to trust God to grow in your revelation, to understand this person to a place where you know how to make them feel cherished. Amen. Okay, cool. The day, the day that person can, can get that message that you are my only one. You are the perfect one for me. There's nobody else. You're the one. Okay, let's read from Philippians chapter 2 to close. from verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is again, this, this, this scripture is not for marriage alone. But how powerfully does this describe what we're talking about right now? Is that when we emulate Christ in our relationships, when we seek to be like him, when we humble ourselves, when we put ourselves second. When we come as a servant, that brings glory to God. That is what Christ did to the point of death. And that brought glory to Him. Amen? So the world says the opposite. The world says take what you can. Accumulate as much as possible. Step on other people. Gather as much as you can for yourself. Have you heard that phrase recently? He did well for himself. We think, yes, that guy did well for himself. You know, it's actually terrible. But that's what the world says, you know. Gather, and, and all of that will mean you're going to have a fulfilled life. God says, empty yourself. Give as much as you can. Lose your life for the sake of the kingdom. Lose your life for the sake of others. This is what the gospel says. And they will be fulfilled. Similarly in marriage, the kingdom is upside down. It's not 
It's not like the world. Let's stand this evening. I just want to close and pray a bit together. Okay. Okay, thanks, Rick. I almost forgot. We're going to have communion. Um, so let's start. We can start handing that out. Uh, we're going to have communion briefly. Thanks for your patience. Um, so as I was praying, um, I thought there might be among us, and maybe those joining us online, might be someone that may feel disillusioned with marriage. Maybe you've experienced hurt. Maybe you've come from a home where it's been difficult, it's been hard, and the, 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 um, maybe the examples you've had of marriage have not been good or have not been godly or if it, you know, you've, you've been hurt in that area, I really feel God wants to minister to you tonight. And I really want to pray with you. Um, I believe He wants to just shift something in terms of what you see. And I really believe there's a grace for us to, to allow God to almost, yeah, to renew our minds when it comes to this. So if, thanks so much. Um, yeah, so if, if that's you, I want to really pray with you in a moment. Um, and I'll send some... Um, yeah, um, and similarly, maybe you in a place of discouragement um, around marriage or around, around relationships... Maybe in a place where you feel oh, I'm hanging in there, but I'm just losing hope a little bit. Um, I really feel that God wants to speak into that situation, into that place. He wants to speak hope and life. Um, and He wants to renew your strength. Um, and I believe, really believe God wants to restore a place where you are able to see what He sees. And you're able to hear what really speaks over your life. Um, so I would like to pray for you as well, if you're in that space, and, and, and you feel you're just tired of living for yourself. You've tried that, and you're not, you realize it's, there's no fulfillment in stepping on others and just taking and living as the world does. And I really believe that the Lord is, is extending an invitation this evening, for us to lay down our lives again, to say, Lord, I, I realize that it's in losing my life that I can gain life. That's what the gospel says, Lord. When we lose our lives, when we give up our lives into His hands, that's when we gain eternal life. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word this evening. Hallelujah, God. We thank You that yeah, I'm just amazed again, Lord, by the beauty of your plan, the beauty of your design, the glorious, um, amazing, and we just want to give praise and honor and glory to your name, God. Nobody could have thought this up. No human person could have come up with this idea, Lord, to, to have this relationship between one husband and one wife in a covenant relationship, 
illustrating the glory of the relationship between Jesus and his bride, Lord, and illustrating that to a hurting world. God, we've, we're so in awe of you, Lord, and your goodness. And this evening we humbly come and we acknowledge, God, that through so many things that, we've, that we see around us, and maybe the things that we've experienced ourselves, that often that, that picture is marred and it's, it's skewed and it's damaged and it's, it's not what you've, what you've designed. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would tonight come and renew our minds again, Lord. That you would deliver us from evil in terms of our thoughts and our convictions and our, the hurts that we have around this, this space in our lives, God. And we ask, Lord, come into this area of our lives and come, let your kingdom come here, Lord. Let your glory manifest here, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, in this evening as we, we, take, community, we take communion, Lord, we, we're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for the new and living way that you've made for us through the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you did not only send us a, an SMS or a WhatsApp or a letter to say, I love you. You sent your son in the form of a, a man, and you, you demonstrated your love for every single one of us by sending your son to the cross, Lord. And Lord Jesus, you demonstrated your love to us by not just saying you've forgiven us, but dying on the cross taking our sin upon yourself, taking our pain, taking our hurts, taking every disappointment and hurt and everything, even around relationships, every, every broken marriage, every pain that goes with that, every disaster in relationship, every experience that we've had on an emotional level, every pain and hurt, and you've taken that upon yourself. And you've taken our sin upon yourself. And you've taken every curse upon yourself. And thank you that you didn't stop halfway. That you died, you bled and you died. And you endured the torture. And you endured the cross. And you overcame death. You overcame sin. We stand in awe of you, Lord. And this is what we remember when we eat this bread together, Lord. We remember your body that was broken for us, Lord. Let's eat together. Father, as we eat, we thank you for the broken body for every single person here. Thank you for the broken body of Jesus that represents your perfect, perfect provision for every situation, Lord. Your provision physically and emotionally, your provision financially, your provision in every relationship, God. We thank you, Lord, for the broken body of Christ that means for every marriage and right now, in the name of Jesus, we claim that provision, Lord, for every marriage. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for the broken body. Thank you that you've made provision for us to have fullness of life and flourish in godly relationships and godly marriages. Lord, we receive that provision now in the name of Jesus. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord, and we give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that this, this juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross, Lord, that it ran down the cross. It seeped into the ground. 
on that place, on that hill. And even to this day, it is there. It's still there in the ground, the blood of Jesus. And that blood speaks of forgiveness of sins. It speaks of new life, Lord. It speaks of the sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice ever made, with the greatest impact on all humanity, that you chose to give the life of Jesus in our stead, Lord. And we thank you this evening, Lord. We thank you for new life. We thank you that we are forgiven. We thank you that you give us a clean slate. We thank you that you wash us clean, Lord. You renew and you restore. And we thank you that through the blood of Jesus, we are able to have communion with you, Lord. We are able to have relationship with you, Lord. We are able to boldly come to you, Lord, as our Father. We are able to have an assurance of our salvation. We are able to have an assurance of eternal life, God. We thank you for that. And we do this in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus. Let's drink together. Hallelujah. As every eye is closed this evening, if you're in that space right now where you realize that even though we've prayed and even though we've taken this communion now, you, you're not even sure what this means. Maybe you, you actually know that you're not right with God. Maybe right now you, you are in that place where you realize you've been living just for yourself. You've been trying so hard to be okay, to be to live some life of meaning that you're not sure that you have eternal life. This evening, I believe the Lord is right now. He's inviting you to lay down your life, to accept His invitation. You say, Lord, I want to lay down my life and I want to receive new life. I want to take, get off the throne of my own life and I want to ask you to come as King and Lord and reign in my life. I want to turn away from my sin and I want to follow in a new direction. I want to follow you, Lord, as King, as Lord, as Savior. If that's you this evening, while every eye is closed, it will be my privilege to pray with you. I'm going to raise your hand briefly <coughs> if that's you this evening. Is there anybody like that? Hallelujah. Father, so we thank you for the cross, Lord, and we thank you for your provision. And we speak life and hope into every heart, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, for marriages. We thank you for relationships. And this evening, we trust, Lord, for, for every single marriage, relationship, family represented here, Lord. And we ask in the name of Jesus that by your grace and by your blood and by the power of your resurrection, that you'd lift every relationship to the next level. Not in terms of performance, Lord, but in terms of entering into cherishing one another and esteeming each other higher. In the name of Jesus, we ask that this, this word will bring good fruit, will bear fruit in our lives that will bring glory to your name. Lord, that the world will see your glory on our relationships. Lord, that the world will be drawn to Christ through our relationships, God. That many will come to Jesus because of the light that shines through our marriages and through our families and through our relationships, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for your patience this evening. It's been a, a long service. I want to really encourage you, if you, if you need any prayer this evening, specifically those things I mentioned before, being disillusioned with marriage or being discouraged or losing hope, any of those things, 
Um, or if you have any other prayer need, whether you just need prayer for healing or whether you need prayer for provision or whatever your prayer need is, or even if you want to pray for somebody else, I'd love to pray with you. Um, I might not have the answer, but I know that Christ has already made a way. Amen? So please come to the front if you need prayer. Um, there's going to be some other guys helping me pray as well, leaders. Um, but have a wonderful evening. Thanks for joining us. Um, join us for some coffee and tea outside under the roof there. And uh, if you're not in a small group and you're keen, just let, speak to one of us. We'd love to connect you. Amen. God bless. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.